So Jesus creates in his kingdom a culture. And you can't get away from it. As you read the ancient scriptures, Jesus creates a culture of belonging. That's why we call this a place to belong. Because it's not, it's not something warm and fuzzy. We don't think it's something that's a great catchphrase. We actually believe that when Jesus brought the kingdom, he actually brought a culture of belonging. A culture of people that were on the outside getting on the inside. A culture of people that would never, ever, ever be in the story of God because of their health condition even at times, because of their family origin or their past sins. They would never be part of the story of God. When Jesus, Messiah, comes, like we read about, like Isaiah so articulately uh, delivered for the church and for his people and for the people of Israel, when he expanded this, what this glorious kingdom would look like in its freedom and its shalom and its expanse and its freedom, saving of the soul and the saving of the human being and actually the universe itself and the cosmos itself. When he explains that to us, he lets us know that this Jesus was coming with this culture of belonging and bringing all things and making all things new. He was so kind and he was so good and he is today. And Jesus is always about bringing people from the outside in. He's always about that. He's always about making a home in our hearts for others, and space for others. That's the model, and that's the call of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want to talk about the case for biblical community this morning. I don't want to try and sell you anything, but I just want to give you my heart and why we're so um, connected and committed to this biblical principle and practice of gathering together. Number one, this morning's going to be fun. I have six points and six practices. Who's excited? Milan, let me see your excited face. Six points and six practices. It's great for university. Write this down. More coffee, anyone? Biblical community is more than just Christian friends. That's the first thing. I think we've made it about gathering with Christian friends. That, oh, I have my non-Christian friends and I have my Christian friends. So biblical community is my Christian friend week. Or that night of the week. But it's not. It's more than coffee together. It's more than just Christian friends hanging out. Biblical community is more than that. It's more than this opening a book that we agree on. Or some book written by some author that's Christian. And so we decide to get together once a week. It is way, 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 way more than that. And that's the problem. Sometimes if we go in at that level, we never sustain the lifelong friendships that Jesus Christ of Nazareth desired us to have. It's more than coffee. Mark 3, 31 to 35. I forgot to tell you to go grab a Bible this morning. You can go ahead, grab a Bible or some at the back, or if you have it on your phones or your tablets or whatever you use. Go to the Gospel of Mark. Again, Mark was the first Gospel written. It's pacey. It's short. You should read it. You can read it in no time at all. You'll notice the words immediately. It's fast, it's punchy. In the first three chapters, there's people being saved, healed and delivered. And thousands of people are coming from villages and towns to gather to this person called Jesus Christ because of the culture of the kingdom that he carried. And in fact, he asks us to carry that culture. And the church of Jesus Christ in this post-Christian world should be the most attractive thing on the earth. And I really believe, I really believe that the church is in a great place. I really believe that this is the best part and place in history for the church to be. When it seems to be getting darker, the church gets brighter. When it seems that things are not happening, when it seems to be uh, everything's against us, culture's against us, and, and society's against us, and the media's against us, this is a great place for the church to be. We just be patient. We just keep ourselves in the kingdom culture, and people will come because broken hearts need healing. Broken hearts need healing. Mark 3, 31 to 35. 
How are we doing? Are we okay? So then Jesus, mother and brothers arrived. They're standing outside. And they sent someone to call him. It's even an offense in their hearts has happened. There's a Something's happening in their hearts. They're outside and Jesus is inside with strangers and we can't get in and we are his mother and I am his mother and we are his brothers and we're on the outside. And so they do what any mom and family do. They say, hey, hello. Remember where you came from? Remember who you are? Why are we on the outside? And so the crowd was sitting around him and they told him, they said, hey, Jesus, your, your mother and your brothers are outside. They're looking for you. Jesus comes back with this. It's, it's kind of offensive. And Jesus really could have done with a good PA in his day, I think. He says this. Who are my mother and my brothers? Are you serious, Jesus? Like, they're outside. Like, look, turn around. Can you see them? Have you lost the run of yourself? Who are my brothers and sisters? He's being so sarcastic, isn't he? What's the deal here? Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him. I love the imagery, do you? And he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Who? Whoever does God's will is my brother and my sisters and my mother. Love that the gender thing is broken again with Jesus. He just goes out of his way, doesn't he? To disrupt and to include. So Jesus radically defines, redefines community and family around the mission of God. It's more than just friends. It's more than friends around coffee. It's more than friends around a good book. It's more than friends around a Bible study. It's more than friends even around prayer. It's a family of God on the mission of God gathering together. He redefines what community and family looks like. Biblical community is formed on mission. It's formed on mission. That's the platform. The community of God is formed on mission. We are a family. And the family business is that we're making all things new. That we're carrying the kingdom of heaven with us. That we're ruling and reigning with Christ Jesus. That we rule and reign with Christ Jesus. That we rule and reign with Christ Jesus. Right from the beginning in the garden you can see it. Right from Revelation you can see it. We were called and born again by the Spirit of God to rule and reign with God. To make all things new and all things right in society and culture. That's the job of the church. That's our mission. Never play small. Something tells me it smells, it looks, it feels like it's big, doesn't it? The gospel feels big. It sounds big. It tastes big. Taste and see the God's good. That which we have seen, that which we have touched, that which we have held. This gospel is such a huge, huge gospel of Jesus Christ. I wish I could thrill your hearts with a vision of the kingdom this morning. Because it's big and expansive. And that's the mission that God has called us to be on. So we are more than just Christians hanging out. There's a necessary do in the will of the Father that matters. Let me say that again. There's a necessary do in the will of the Father that matters. We get to bring heaven to earth, peace and reconciliation. Seeing all things renewed. To bring to earth that which is in heaven. To be the witnesses of Jesus here, near and far. Listen, if there's more than us, it's more than us gathering around hobbies. It's more than us gathered around an interest. It's more than just a great Christian book. It's bigger than that. The biblical community isn't just about us. It's about the world. It's about others. It's formed on mission. And for you to say that you go to something else, it's not. it sounds like it's Christian, but it's not Christian. I want to say it's not. 
It's not. It's good things to be involved. I'm involved in many things outside of, of church. But you can't substitute the gathering of brothers and sisters who are under the authority of Jesus Christ, Messiah, not a God, not some organization that claims a God, but Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's a God that we come under. That's a God whose rule and reign we're active in. It's gathering around his people in his spaces and places around this confession that Jesus Christ is Lord. Are you with me? It's a mission of God. Community is a context for discipleship. Apprenticeship. The two dominant metaphors in the New Testament for the people of God are disciples and family of Jesus. Family of God. Family, brothers and sisters. So when it comes to following Jesus, it's a family community that we see and we read. And it's not optional for discipleship. It's not optional for discipleship. Recent survey. Now this is American, so I do apologize. I tried. I worked really hard to try and get statistics that that were from our part of the world, but could not find them. But there are some things that are now matching. The worlds have got smaller through the digital age. Uh, and you'll find a lot of things that's happening in, wave in North America are actually happening in our culture. So this recent survey among Christians who say spiritual growth is important, right? So they've said spiritual growth is important to them. More than one-third say they prefer to pursue spiritual growth on their own. That's 38% of people who call themselves followers of Jesus. Not just followers of Jesus, but say that spiritual formation is really important to them. 38% of those people say that they would rather do it on their own. Similarly, two in five of all Christian adults consider their spiritual life to be entirely private. find that quite shocking. 41%. This is a greater portion, though only slightly, than Christians who believe their faith, rather than being private, has an impact on on relatives, 37%, on friends, 36%, and on their community, sadly, 33%. In other words, one of the problems revealed by the research is that millions of Christians believe that discipleship is a solo affair, with only personal and private implications. Personal and private implications. The gospel's good for me and my family. I'm a Christian because it works for us. Gets my kids into the right schools. It helps us do well in business. My life's flourishing. Our morals are okay. It helps us. It's not the life of the follower of Jesus Christ in the biblical biblical scriptures. Well, the scriptures are biblical, so that's just a nonsense. In the book, in the pattern of the scriptures. That's not it. It's that discipleship is done together. One another, they devoted themselves to one another daily, to the breaking of bread, to the reading of scriptures, to prayer, and to the supernatural, open the heart to the supernatural, and they gave to those who had need in their community also. So it happens in the context of one another. One another. We're designed for community. It's my third point. We're neurobiologically hardwired for community. The authors of Relational Soul, um, a guy called Rich Plass and James Cofield, Got some wee smart, brilliant YouTube videos that you can click onto. Um, don't know if you've ever read any of their stuff. They said this uh, on on the relationship playing in our on relationships playing their part in healing. They say at the core of our being is is this truth: we're designed for and defined by our relationships. We were born with relentless longing to participate in the lives of others. Fundamentally, we are relational souls. We cannot be relational. We cannot exist well without connection and communion with one another. I would agree. Case in point. Has there ever been a time in your life where things were just flourishing in every other part of your life? Your job was great. 
of all of a sudden the holes in your pocket seemed to get sewn up. You had, you had a bit of money left at the end of the month. And, uh, and you had your dream house and you had a call there too, but you had a fractured relationship. And in the mix of the fractured relationship, life just felt miserable. Even though all around you, all the, all the forms and platforms around you seem to be steady and going in the right direction, seem to be flourishing, but the, because of the broken relationship, you just felt so unstable. Even though financially you were stable, you just felt so unstable within your heart, within your soul, because we are wired. We are, we're designed by God the Father to live in relationship with one another. Are you with me? Let me give you some advice, Vineyard. Share your victories and your struggles. Share your victories and your struggles. Let people see the working of it. Let people see the working of it. Do you know why people love conferences and stuff and, and they want to be the next Jason Scott and <laughs> Michelle Scott, you know? Because you know, sometimes the guys get up on the platform and they tell the most wild stories, don't they? They're on a plane. And nobody sits in cattle crew. They all got a first class flight. And, and, and that's where you're, you're like, oh, someday I'm going to be first class. I long for the words turn left, Mr. Scott, when you get on the plane. I'm praying someday. One day, we, we got on a plane one time and we were late getting on this plane. We were traveling from America. And the, the stewardess said, this, now we have moved your seats. And I said, okay. And she says, now, I want you, when you get into the plane with your kids, do not overreact and don't get overexcited. <laughs> like, yeah, I won't. <laughs> I promise. And we went in, she said, turn left. And they took us all the way to the curtain, right beside first class, and gave us seats in economy. Yeah, they, we hear the big stories of the conference speakers. We hear the stories of the first class flight and they had the Bose cordless headphones on and somebody interrupted the conversation and then that person beside them was an atheist and they got brilliantly and transformedly saved by the blood of Jesus and it was all good and there was a miracle and a casting out of demons and I'll tell you and all those beautiful stories and you think, yeah, yeah, I want to be that. That's the life I want. But the real life is the struggles and the walking and the sharing of victory. And people need to see you're working. You're working. People need to see your left foot, right foot. When someone is buried, when someone is going through hard times, when you're financially broke, can you still get up in the morning and praise the name of Jesus? Can you still call on Jesus Christ, Messiah? Can you still say, Jesus Christ is Lord? Your kingdom rules and reigns, God. People need to see the working out of your patience in the suffering. People need to see that you share in the fellowship of his suffering and in the resurrection of his life. People need to see the working out of that. They just don't want to hear your victories. They want to see your struggles too. But they just don't want to see your struggles. They want to see how you work. Get out. Left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. Are you with me? Share your victory, share your struggles. Number four, community is a context for transformation. Community is a con context for transformation. Spiritual formation occurs primarily in the context of community, becoming more like Jesus. And I've, I've really, suppose I've made the point already that it happens. Discipleship happens in the context of community. But then we are transformed. We're changed. We're changed. Spiritual formation occurs primarily, primarily in the context of community, becoming more like Jesus. That's simply it. Do you want to become more like him? Please be more than me in the room that wants to be more like him. I need to be more like him. I need to be more like him. Long-term interpersonal relationships are the crucible 
for genuine progress in the Christian life. And I love that word crucible because it's where we contend for it. It's where we, where we, we, we fight for it. We fight for it. People who stay grow. Let me say it that way. It's so simple. People who stay grow. People who leave do not grow. You don't grow. You don't change. You don't change. We, we, we both grow and thrive together. And we don't grow much at all. It's from the book, Slow Church. I like that. Slow Church. So I love that language of crucible. Yes, community is hard at times, but it's a crucible for community that we're formed and we're shaped to become like Jesus. When we're around people who are not like us and like us, consider these Proverbs, right? Proverbs 13, walk the wise, become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Or the message says it this way. Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. So that word fool occurs 19 times in Proverbs. And we would find it very uncomfortable using that word fool in our culture in our time. But it doesn't mean lack of mental ability. But someone who lacks moral humility. And what I mean by moral humility is. Did you have an appreciation for moral strengths and moral views of others? Do you have the appreciation of the strengths that you see, the moral views in people's lives. And that's just, to, that's to be humble. To have a humility, a moral humility, to see that other people have this morals in their life. That you, you're looking at it and say, you know what, that person's a wise person. I'm going to walk with them. I'm going to walk with them. That person is, is humble enough to, to have morals in their life and therefore I am going to spend time with them. They're formed and shaped by people who spend time with. We are, aren't we? We're formed and shaped with people we spend time with. I mind all the time, most of the time, and most other mothers probably said it of me too, when I came in and none of us a bit, as they say, cheeky to me ma. My mum would say, it's not, a, it's not hard to know who you've been running about with. But probably the other kids' mum said the same thing to them, didn't they? It's not hard to know that you were, you were running about with that fella at 133 Lincoln Courts, which is my house. So does that mean, let me just put a, a, um, a precursor on that. Does that mean I shouldn't hang out with people that don't know Jesus? Nah, it doesn't. And you know me, you know how we do life here in the vineyard. But let's be real about the rhythms of our lives, that's what I'm going to say. Let's be real about the rhythms of our life. I don't think the problem that we have here in the vineyard is that we're hanging out too much with those who walk closely with Jesus. I don't think that's a big temptation for us. Do you? Like, we've really got a problem. We are spending too much of our month with people who follow Jesus. You know, you give your work in life, guys. You give the routine of your life. There are people in your workplace, I would surmise, that don't yet know Jesus as their Lord. You have not yet confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord. Right? And you spend eight hours there a day, and maybe more than that, some of you lie and say you do... 28 hours a day and all this here sort of stuff, don't you? You get up at 4 in the morning and you go to bed at 12 o'clock at night. The Bible calls that fame. And so, so we, we spend enough time with people that don't know Jesus. But we need to get rhythms back into our lives again where we prioritize kingdom time. If I, you know, what I need in my life, I don't know about you, but I'm just going to talk about me. I need godly people in my life. I need godly men and I need godly women in my life who speak the truth and speak it in love. I need people who can show me things, who have ears to hear and eyes to see what the Spirit of God is doing here on the earth and here in this nation and here in this island who I rub shoulders with so then I can get around them and say, oh, I now I can see that too. I need people to open my eyes. Do you remember that story when the, the angelic hosts came and the, the servant said to the king, he said, 
Open your eyes. Open your eyes. Lift your eyes. It was already happening. And he, we all need somebody to open our eyes during the week. We all need somebody in our lives to help us hear the sound of the kingdom that is already present among us, don't we? Because sometimes we don't hear it. Sometimes our eyes are dim and our ears are dull. And I think there's a problem in the church. There's an epidemic in the church where we've given up on the meeting together. And I don't talk about it Sunday morning. I'm just thinking we've, 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 probably, we've just made it optional. Oh, life's too busy. Is it? Well, say no to some other things and prioritize being around people who hear and see what the Father is doing. It's really important that you do that. You want to become great in the kingdom? Prioritize your time, your life. Again, find people who know Jesus, who hang out with Jesus. Not everybody is going to do it, but you can find people within this family of God here in Vineyard Church, Dungannon, who you can do that with. People who can influence you. Who, who walk with wisdom. Who are formed not by the few of culture or the world, but few who are formed by the few of the kingdom. By kingdom politics. Walk with wisdom. Who or what is forming your views at the minute? Is it Twitter? Is it the news? Is it Brexit? What is forming your views at the minute? What is forming your thinking? Is it social media? Is it, what is it? Is it people that are around your workplace? Are they forming your views? How do you think? Do you think with the perspective and the knowledge of the kingdom of God? Is the kingdom of God your view in life or do you have another world view? Do you have another word for you? And we all do at times, and we, we, we get lulled into it. But so therefore, it's good to connect and reconnect with people who know Jesus, who hear Jesus, who read Scripture together, who don't know everything, but who share their struggles and their victories with you, and who'll walk with you left foot, right foot. Is this making sense? What would your calendar look like if you really trusted the ways of Jesus this week? Seriously, let's get out our phones. Go for it. Permission to do it. Look at, let's look at your, what's your week look like? What's your week look like? Is there any space for people that know Jesus? Or is it not even on the agenda? Is it not even there? Number five. We're doing okay. You got all the points written down? Locked in? Nigel? Kid, there will be a test after this. Yes. <laughs> One God, two Jesus, three church. Please circle. One answer only. Community is an investment. Community is an investment. We don't see that anymore. We see everything else as an investment. You see... Our eyes are dim and our ears are dull because we don't see the treasure in the field. Do you know that the man bought the field because he could see the treasure? And some people didn't. Every parable is about the kingdom of God. He trusts you with the treasure. Invest in the treasure, which is the kingdom of God, in relationships that are eternal and valuable. And that's how the kingdom culture starts and ends. It's all relational. If you wait, it won't be there when you need it. That's investment, guys. If you wait, it won't be there when you need it. If you start now, it will be there when you need it. That's deep, and that's my economics. If you wait, it won't be there when you need it. If there's a tragedy, the church can express compassion, and it always will do. You don't have to be even part of this church at all for us to express compassion and to love you, to care. But real community, listen, 
Real community is what you need to walk through it. Are you with me? There are expressions of sympathy. There are expressions of compassion that we all do. But let's be honest. And we've been there. The most common experience for somebody who loses a loved one is that very soon and very quickly, the world moves on. People express compassion and they're good people and they're kind people. But unfortunately, unfortunately for them, their world continues. Their Monday morning becomes their normal again and they walk on in the world. And the most common thing that you'll hear from somebody who has mourned or has been through pain or uh, grief is that they just, they just can't understand how everybody else is moving on. And they feel locked into this world. But that should change in the community of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because while we can't show compassion to those who are not in community, who don't do life with us, those who chose to invest their life, we can walk with. It's just natural, it's just practical that we at least see them once a week. That they might not say anything, but we can put our hand on his or her shoulder and say, come Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. That's what we can do. And it's the investment part. This week, witnessing the family and the investment lived out in the most painful place at Carrick Fergus Vineyard. A room filled with people, hundreds of people, celebration of a life and yet in deep grief. But what I observed and what I heard and what I witnessed was people extracting their investment, pulling out the relationships that they'd poured into, the love, the time, the wet Tuesday nights, the early mornings of being together, the Sunday morning of putting ice off your wonder screen and choosing to be with the family of God. I watch people receive, receive their investment, within family and statements like I've found a peace that passes understanding even though it's, it's reckless and painful I've found a hope that doesn't make sense I feel carried the church is really the church I feel family I feel loved we have never experienced anything like this that doesn't happen by chance it happens with investment to one another and my final point and here is the reality. And this is the thing that, that stops many of us humbly choosing to walk with brothers and sisters in Christ. And my question this morning is not um, patronizing or judgmental, but my, my honest question to you this morning is humbly choosing to walk with brothers and sisters in Christ. Why wouldn't you? Because someday you're going to have to be defined by Jesus Christ as being Lord in your life and by the ancient practices of ancient Scripture. Someday you're going to have to allow Jesus Christ to define your life and to actually nail your colours to the mass, to pick up a flag that you once carried and say, this is what I believe, Jesus Christ is Lord, his kingdom alone, his kingdom alone. Someday you're going to have to do that. So why not choose to do that today? Why not choose to commit yourself to walk with brothers and sisters in this newly formed family of God? That's so beautiful and worth the investment. And I'll tell you what stops most of us. 
And here's my realistic answer for many of us, why we never, never engage in it, or why we sometimes choose, but then we allow the difficulties and the, the, the world and the cares and all that stuff to just crowd it and choke it out, is that community is never ideal and it's always a byproduct of time and commitment. It's never ideal. It's never ideal. It's always a byproduct of time and commitment. Let me be upfront with you. The community groups will not meet your expectations. The grass is always greener on the other side. It's not going to be the perfect fix. Grass will always be greener. It's a mustard seed again. It takes time. It's not always spectacular, but it's always significant. That's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not always spectacular, people. Sometimes it means feeding the poor. Sometimes it means that you don't want to do it, but you've got to do it. You've got to take the left foot and right foot. Sometimes it means giving up your money and your cash. Sometimes it means giving up your time. Sometimes it means taking a step beyond convenience. Sometimes it means rearranging your calendar. Sometimes it means investment and commitment. And it does. And it might not always be spectacular and Sunday mornings might not always be spectacular not every church gets this <laughs> you're spoiled I mean the worship no in all seriousness the worship was wow this morning it's wow and I hear somebody saying why can we not do that all day you can you can you can go home don't watch sky sports or catch up with Emmerdale Omnibus or whatever they call it. Put on a record. Put on a Jim Reeves. And worship Jesus or whatever you do. The mustard seed. Have a look at this with me. A guy called Gene Veneer. Or Fonet. He was um, part of a Jesus community in Switzerland that, that worked with people who had really um, just extreme handicap within disabilities within the, the community. And so they formed this community in Switzerland. He also was a spiritual director. Have you ever heard of a guy called Henry Nguyen? Henry Nguyen? He was a spiritual director. This is what he says. Almost everybody, everyone finds their early days in community ideal. It all seems perfect. They feel they're surrounded by saints and heroes or at least the most exceptional people who are everything they want to be themselves. And then comes the letdown. The greater idolization of the community at the start and the greater the disenchantment. If people manage to get through the second period, they come to the third phase, that, that of real ice and of true commitment. They no longer see all their members of their community as saints or devils, but as people, each with a mixture of good and bad, darkness and light, each growing and each with their own hope. The community is neither heaven nor hell, but planted firmly on the earth, and they are ready to walk in it and with it. They accept the community and the other members as they are. They are confident that together they can grow towards something more beautiful. I love these three stages, the idealization, the disenchantment phase, and the commitment phase. But tragically, a lot of people never get past, get past stage two. We ache for belonging. We ache for meaningful community, and yet we also want to keep our options open, don't we? We might have another infight during the week. Something better might come up. You know what? Let's not, just in case, you know what I mean? Let's not commit to it. Somebody might invite us over to their house for steak on a Thursday night. 
right? Well, if it happens again, so be it. Um, let's keep our options open. You know, that's, that's, we approach relationships with, with, you know what we do? Let me tell you what we do. We approach relationships with consumer mindsets. What's in it for me? Man, we've got bad at that. Or we've got good at it. Whatever way you look at it. We approach relationships with consumer mindsets. Do you do that? I do that sometimes. The consumer mindset, sometimes it just happens automatically without knowing what's in it for me. We live in a world of options, so we hold on out. We hold out on commitment. What if there's something better out there? Cooler, easier, more convenient in a convenient world. And we don't commit. We don't commit. The reality is you can't have community without commitment, time, or investment. If you want community in depth and safe and open and honest and long-term relationships, then you have to commit to a group of people and walk with them even when it's hard and even when it's not cool. And there might be nothing in it at times for you. I've noticed, Michelle and I have noticed in all the years in church, even before we, we got to do this and had the privilege of leading you wonderful people, that those with the most expectations, those who have idolizations often are the least people who are committed in a church. That's the way it happens. Not this church. But people who have the really high expectations, who sort of have this idealistic idea of what form and community is all about. Oh, it should feel like a conference. It should feel like we're all in heaven. It doesn't. It should feel like we're all saints. Sometimes we look like devils. It should feel like this. It should feel, no, no, sometimes it's just about grounding ourselves in this dusty earth, knowing that we're under an open heaven and saying, I choose to walk with you. That's what it looks like sometimes. It's sometimes feet on a dirty, dusted road where our hands laid bare and our knuckles torn and we feel broken and worthless and with nothing less to give, but we know that we live under an open heaven and we choose to live in community. We choose to live in community. And so in the beginning, they bring all, we bring, people come to us and they bring all sorts of ideas and excitement and expectations so that others could meet their needs. But when it comes to giving to others or sticking together with someone else in need, they check out and they leave. The number of times, and it's not my pain or me being bitter, the number of times I hear people saying, I just don't feel connected anymore in the vineyard. I just don't feel close anymore. Something's changed. Nothing has changed, people. The mission is still the mission. The vision is still the vision. It only happens through a collective, like-minded bunch of people gathering together under the sound and voice of our commander-in-chief, King Jesus, with his orders that the kingdom is here and the kingdom is near and his government knows no end. And the governments are on his shoulders, that he is the true leader, that he is the true king. That is still the same thing. What changes is when you disconnect from community, when you choose not to opt in because of expectation or, or, or some idea or ideal, then that's what happens. And you don't feel connected when you're not connected. That's the reality. So my job, I've found out recently, and I've never quite put it into words. Michelle will have no idea what's going to come out of my mouth right now. So that's always nervous for her. Do you feel her pain? The tension? You cut a knife up here. I, 
think what the Lord is teaching me this last six months and the Holy Spirit through allegiance to Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I'm not here to build a big church, guys. I'm not here to keep you happy. <sighs> be a hard task. <laughs> you're a tough crowd. <laughs> but you're beautiful people. I think through this allegiance to Jesus and giving him priority in our lives, gathering together in small pockets of small groups who are wanting renewal in their lives and their hearts, I think more and more my job, and you're going to love this, my job is to train you and teach you how to die to yourself. you love it, don't you? I got it. That's what, what's, what's what we've got to do as leaders is teach people how to die to themselves and surrender to the king and the kingdom. Do you think this is biblical? There was once a man who walked this earth who said, take up your cross once in a while. Yeah, daily. Follow me. And he said that at the gates of Jerusalem where you got to openly see people being crucified on a daily basis. He wasn't too PC, was he? The noise and the stench and the screams and the mourning and the pain and the background. And he says, you know what? Followers of me, take up your cross daily and follow me. Community is everything, guys. We need each other. Community has kept Michelle and us together, kept this church together, it's kept us grounded, it's kept us up, and it's held us up, and it keeps us going to the end. Unfortunately, I don't have any more time to give you my 